Welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. Each week, we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So I'm excited. We're recording on a Tuesday, we should say. So that's a little bit different than usual. So there may be big, incredible things happening on Wednesday and Thursday. It always happens when we walk out of the studio. True. And we've recorded too far ahead of time. So there's just a <laughs> likelier chance of those happening between now and when this, when this drops, which is thir- Thursday afternoon. But anyway, so just in the, that whole thing. So I'm still, kind since it's Tuesday, I'm still reeling a little bit from Sunday when it was, I was like, there's rain. There's Game of Thrones is upsetting me. Donald Trump, yeah, climate which change. We'll talk about that because I have thoughts. Beckett pulling my hair. They were like all uh, like they were, each one. I was like, yep, yeah. So yeah. So today feels much brighter, but that Sunday was not that long ago where I was feeling kind of the weight of Trump, rain, climate change, hair pulling. Kind of Game of Thrones, kind of all on the same on the same level. Mass, Maybe I needed mass to think about genocide. It. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna. Okay, so uh, for our listeners, I mean it's Thursday, so if you're a Thrones diehard, you probably should have already watched the episode. But yeah. we were will be discussing spoilers in our final block of the show. So if you made it to Thursday by avoiding them. That seems unlikely. Yeah, but I I, I want to try to respect the unspoken sure. spoiler code. We will avoid Thrones talk until we get to the end of the show. And then I have thoughts. Okay. Um, All right. But this week's top lines, uh, 2020 primary, Margie has some big news that we'll talk about. um, And we'll dive into some general election stuff, plus the candidate qualities voters are really looking for. Um, Have you ever talked to a journalist? Do you have journalist friends? Do you know people who are part of the media? Uh, we will discuss polling on that. Also, um, I think it's almost blue crab season. I'm pretty sure like it's almost time where you can go get that sweet, sweet old bay, have some Maryland blue crabs to celebrate. We're going to talk about some polling coming out of Maryland. And then we're going to talk about some Game of Thrones, the betting markets. Uh, we're going to talk about some old polling about who would die this season and how right or wrong the people were kind of helps when like everyone's dead because <laughs> then everyone's right but right. uh sure that wasn't unless, a spoiler i didn't say unless who. you're like me and you're I like constantly who. like who is that per-? like then just like <laughs> it's just a bunch of like random letters together and you're like i think it's that person anyway it's okay it's okay. I'm not alone, I think, in that. It was a distressing episode, no matter what. Yeah. Okay. I'm veering too close to spoilers. But first, the poll of the week is, is a <laughs> I'm looking very important poll. Yes. Uh, the New York Times has released an Are You Gen X or Millennial poll. This right. is really aimed at the Xennial group. It's aimed at us. Group, <laughs> like the crossover <laughs> e-folk. Um, and it's 16 questions. I'm going to go through them real quick with Margie. Uh, Kristen is a millennial and I am a Gen Xer. That's our official. We we could not be more of each of those. Yes. And I have have taken this poll and it confirmed my identity as an old millennial. And you have literally written the book on millennials. And now I have the New York Times proof that I fit, (laughs) that I count. Okay. Uh, Question number one. How many phone numbers do you have memorized? (laughs) A, my parents, my childhood best friends, and poison control. B, my parents, 
Wait, maybe not now that I think about it. B. Okay. My relationship with anxiety is A, never ending, B, occasional and circumstantial. Hmm. Well, this is uh, B. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't feel totally confident that I'm being truthful. Is there, anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we can discuss the methodological okay. implications. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a lot of false choice questions sure. we're about to hit. Okay. Yeah. You learned that men abuse power from A, Anita Hill, B, Monica Lewinsky. Oh, <laughs> that would be A, but yes, all the above. <laughs> when you have a work question, you A, Slack, B, email. Uh, B, email. Okay. I think I'm a Gen uh, Xer. <laughs> you, you know this guy as, okay, take a look at the picture. Do you, do you recognize him? Okay, yeah. Do you recognize him as A, the boyfriend from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, or B, Will Gardner from The Good Wife? Oh, I I I did not think it was either of those guys. I thought it was the guy from here, show me again. Was like that the, the guy, guy from, from Goodwill Hunting? No, he looks to me like the guy not from Good Will Hunting. Um <laughs> Like, like, I feel like he was at the Harry, okay. Meghan, Royal wedding. but I didn't see Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, and I don't watch The Good Wife, so... See, methodological problem. That's why yes. I picked just The Good Wife, because I was like, well, that's probably the more... I don't know. Not Good Will Hunting. The, one, the other one about the... The Oh, Captain, My Captain. Wasn't he in that one? Is that... Oh, um, Dead Poets Society? Yes, Dead Poets Society. Possibly. My, my internal IMDP is failing me. Okay, all right, keep going. You ex- uh, question number six. You accept an invitation to have dinner at a friend's house on Friday at 7 p.m. Describe what happens next. A, you show up at your friend's house on Friday at 7 p.m. <laughs> B, you live text from the moment you leave work, leaving work throughout your journey up until your arrival at your friend's house, which might now be a little later than 7 p.m., but hey, you've been keeping them apprised of your voyage, so you're not technically late. <laughs> That's good. I think B. <laughs> well, you, actually. You but, now know from having but, done this podcast with me for four years <laughs> that I'm a hard B. Strongly B. I mean, B, look, B, look, I should just say B is what it would be if it's me without my children. With my children, it would be A because I'd be like, okay, we're, go be the problem. Go be a problem in someone else's basement, and we're going to be there exactly at seven o'clock. But <laughs> but if it's me just coming from the office, then it's B. Okay, uh, seven of fifteen. Do you know your rising sign? Yes mm. or what? Um. Well, I mean, I do know what a rising sign is. I did it once. At one point, know my rising sign. So I guess I should say A because I, I I feel like I could guess it. I have a 50 chance. 50 I chance am right. assuming it's an astrology thing. Yes. I know that I'm a Pisces and that Teen Magazine in 1997 a- told me that meant I was destined to be with Leonardo DiCaprio, a Scorpio. <laughs> but I got nothing on what a rising sign you is. You didn't have like the Cosmo bedside astrologer. Anyway, so there <laughs> there's like you there are a variety of other houses and a rising sign. There's it's more than just the one oh. sign if you really dig deep. You have to know your birthday and your longitude and latitude of where you were born. And th- I, this is my mother's fault, not my own. Okay. Interest. Anyway, keep going. Uh, question number 8 you saw singles A at a theater B on a VHS you rented at Blockbuster well that's I mean obviously it's A <laughs> and I was like can I 
Where's the what? <laughs> I don't have that option here. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, those are both Gen X options. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> Question number nine. You owned Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl or really any song on a single, a.k.a. a cassette single. True or a what? True. Yes. Okay. Describe your stance on exclamation points. Gross or I use them all the time. I don't want people to think I'm mad at them. Yes, B. <laughs> Same. That's uh, yeah, a problem. Question 11. Your doctor's office called. You A, let it go to voicemail and eventually listen to that voicemail. B, let it go to voicemail and never listen to that voicemail. <laughs> B. <laughs> B. Uh, question 12. Typing skills were a class I took in school. Yes. Something I was born knowing how to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> a. Yes. Social smoking is A, delicious and how I bond with people outside a bar, B, disgusting. Well, am I answering this as Margie today or or Margie in the 90s? Richard is dying over here. <laughs> 90s Margie. Let, uh, and maybe 2000s Margie is probably A, but not now, no. Okay. I'll delicious, no, but... I'll put you down as dis- as a, a s- it's it's not good to smoke. Don't smoke, kids. Disgusting. Chosen. Okay, fourteen. How many magazines do you still subscribe to? Mm. Zero, but I follow them on Instagram. Or one to three. Oh, one to three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This is this next one is a picture question. Okay. Pick one, Ethan or Trent. Okay. Oh that's God. Daria, yes. and that's something with, I believe, Winona Ryder. Yes. I, no, of course. E- Ethan. Ethan. I mean, I like them both. I mean, What look, is that from? That is from <laughs> Obviously, Reality I'm, Bites. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Richard is dying over here at my shameful ignorance. But Daria is not really millennial, is it? I'm really into Daria. I mean, I thought Daria is more... I, yeah, I guess you're. I so guess. this is again. This is about separating old millennials from Gen Xers. Okay, so like got young it. millennials would probably be confused by all of this. Got it. Okay. But it's supposed to really. It's like the fine grain audience segmentation How, is what we're. Well, it's definitely here. Ethan. Obviously, it's okay. Ethan because I would not have been able to name that as Trent, and I know that that's from Reality Bites. Okay. Congratulations. You are Gen X adjacent, or at least so Gen X indoctrinated that you're not really a millennial. Wave that Gen X flag loud and proud. Put on some Nine Inch Nails. Pick up a Bretty Stanellis book. And now throw that book in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) So That's so funny. uh, That's so good. There were a couple answers where I was thinking you might land in the millennial category. Like we had some similar... Some similar answers. All of the like email kinds of questions, that's where I'm a little bit more millennial. Like I don't listen, you know, the connectivity. I don't listen to voicemail. I use exclamation points. But see, I think Slack is the like millennial answer there. Yeah. And I picked email. Yeah. I'm not ready. I mean, I I like the idea of Slack, but I I have too too many things for me to keep track of. Um, Well, congratulations. You are a Gen Xer. Well, I knew that. Science proves it. Uh, people on Twitter were griping about how methodologically disastrous that questionnaire was, but I love it. I love it. Doesn't every- matter. I love all of it. I it's love it. We, it, we loved it so much we put it at the top of the show, <laughs> not where we put credit donkey. <laughs> uh, okay, fantastic. Well, let's well, let's talk. 20- and I saw you like tweet something from it, and I turned away. I was like, oh, I don't want to ruin how exciting <laughs> this is going to be for me. <laughs> That's how I felt about that. Okay. okay. So let's now talk about the other really exciting news. Yes. 
2020. So disclosure, we, uh, the folks, myself and the other folks at GBAO are part of Team Bullock. He announced today, Steve Bullock, who is the governor of Montana, the only candidate in the race who won statewide in a state that Trump won, the year that Trump won. Um, So take a look. He's got a great video. Uh, There was a teaser video out over the weekend, too, video out today. You're going to be seeing more about him in the weeks and months ahead. I have been trying to guess who Margie was working for for, like, weeks now. And she, to her credit... Like locked it down. <laughs> I know I did. Just anyone, if you are ever trying to get a security clearance, you could put me down as like a reference that would be like Margie. She will lock down important information. <laughs> List of Margie's security clearance references. Kristen, one. <laughs> Kristen, that's it. <laughs> I, I I only say nice things. I only say nice things. Um, so that's fantastic. So we want to just disclose that we will still obviously be talking about the twenty twenty primary. Margie, will, I'm sure, will have things she learns yeah. that will be kept in the vault and will not share. So there yeah. may be days and segments when the 2020 chatter is me kind of monologuing and Margie like looking at me nodding like, right. I can't tell you why you're wrong, but you're super wrong, Kristen. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, the things that I've said, which I will say this week, continue to be true, which is, you know, we want we want to know. Everybody wants to know desperately what's happening in the Democratic primary. But we're, you know, it's a little early to be looking at minor differences in national polling about candidates that not everybody everybody is familiar with yet. And lots of the stuff is hard ID related. That's still that's what I've been saying for a while. And that's that's still true. Also, I'm not speaking here for the campaign. So when I so I don't want to see any like Bullock pollster reveals Game of Thrones spoilers. (laughs) That's not that's not what's happening here. It's too late. The media story is already out. No, it's already out. It's already going viral. It's done. It's done. Uh, so congratulations. That's yep. very exciting. Um, I was I'm very envious that I assume you will get to go to Montana maybe once or twice. You you said that at, that you you need to cultivate a Montana casual wardrobe. I don't know that I can really help you with that as a Florida girl who's only been to Montana twice, but it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. Yes. Yes. So we'll see. Yep. So but if I go, I Probably will it'll be like I'm on I'm on leave I'm on travel but that's what I say all the time yeah no, well, nobody we, ever knows where we I am never disclose where meanwhile no, I we never disclose I where just we are. let the stalkers and crazies know exactly where I am via my Instagram stories please don't stalk me thanks yeah, guys that's why I'm not on Instagram yeah you're smart um, well let's talk about there's there is a CBS YouGov study that came out a couple weeks ago that we didn't talk about and it's it's cool um it is a conjoint analysis which some listeners of our show will know what that means but others it's basically where a researcher presents lists of attributes and you kind of have to pick like which one you want between the two fully constructed things so like let's say i was doing a conjoint analysis about cheeseburgers to figure out like what's the most important cheeseburger topping to people and i was like okay cheeseburger a has cheese tomatoes onions pickles cheeseburger b has jalapenos bacon right uh uh, mustard uh mayonnaise right whatever and i would present you with a bunch of different hypothetical cheeseburgers right and this is different than what we did last week or two weeks ago like would would you do you like 
tomatoes on your cheeseburger, yes or no? Or which of these 10 cheeseburger toppings do you yeah, like? Yeah, that was that new, yeah. was it Pew? Pew? Mm-hmm. Their whole question, when you have multiple choice. Yes, so this is diff- So this is a different way of doing and cheeseburger. The point yeah. is to try to get you to expose your unconscious biases. If I give you a list and I'm like, what's the most important cheeseburger topping? I would probably be like, oh, uh, ketchup or oh, uh, cheese or pickles or something. But really, deep down inside, I can't imagine eating a cheeseburger without onions on it. And I, I just, I haven't even realized that. But of the 15 cheeseburger combinations you give me, I'm always picking the one that has onion. Like, hmm, I have just revealed my unconscious bias in right. favor of onion. So what they did here was they did this instead of for cheeseburgers, it's for presidential candidates. <laughs> and it's basically about their major characteristics, uh, demographic characteristics, um, age, race, gender, region, class background. And then they also lists like job. What What's right. the job they've had? Right. Um, so the example they give is a candidate A, who is a black female state attorney general from a middle class background from the Northeast versus a 35 year old white male U.S. representative working class background from the Midwest. So there are a couple things about this. One is it just reflects what is happening in the national polling outlets, which is how do you assess how, you know, how do Democrats look through a large, diverse field and figure out what they like? So this is an experiment that trying to figure out how Democrats might do that as opposed to asking folks about each individual characteristic, which you know, has its own pros and cons because people may be over-reporting or under-reporting or not sure how they're balancing one or the other, or which this, I think, solves for or account, I don't want to say solves for, but it minimizes that people are thinking about a specific candidate when they answer these questions. For some of these things, there there isn't a candidate with these Combination. There yeah. is a the, these can some of the combinations that people saw are not mirrored in a actual candidate who is running. Yeah. And so if that's the case, then people are responding with something else, not because they're thinking, oh, that sounds like, you know, Joe like if Biden. I like that example I just gave, if I'm looking at candidate A, I'm like, well, I don't think Kamala Harris is 60 and she's also not from the Northeast. Yeah, and right. I, so that, and that she's can't not be currently, her. She's not a current. She's it's not a current stager. And then 35 white men. But, uh, but Buttigieg, he's not in Congress, is he? And right. oh. So I, I I don't know who those are. So what they did then... And is, they're not anybody. They're randomized. They're not anybody. It's totally randomized. Um, so what's fascinating to me is the divide between people's preference, like demographic preferences, and who is currently leading in the Democratic primary polls. Again, as Marjorie said, a lot of that's name ID. But you find in the results, uh, 59% when, when choosing, when Democratic voters are choosing, 59% of the time they pick the female over the male. If that's a difference, 60 percent of the time they pick a black candidate over a white candidate. Um, they are usually choosing younger candidates. If you are a candidate in your 70s, as I believe both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are, they're only those older candidates only get chosen 37 percent of the time. So it's it's fascinating to me that there's like these big characteristics where there seem to be pretty clear preferences for someone who is female, you know, someone from a community of color, someone who's younger. Like, we're still not seeing that materialize in the overall horse race polling. Right. And, well, it also could be that, I mean, you could still overreport your likelihood of being interested in a specific candidate when you see a hypothetical sure. jumble of demographics and say, I want the candidate who's X or Y. Or not overreporting, but reporting differently than maybe in the actual 
field test of looking at the field, you might decide um, because you see a characteristic and you think, oh, well, that that is important to me, but it may not actually be, you know, that constellation of characteristics are not reflected in, in what's out there. Um, also, people are voting for things other than the demographic background of candidates. I mean, there's more to it. It's not simply this is asking people about a different constellation of demographic background. That's that's more there's more to people's preferences than that. What I think is interesting about this is just how public because this is a CBS experiment, how public polling outlets are trying to investigate this. Uh, uh, to me, from a polling perspective, it, it, that part is interesting. Like, we're now seeing outlets trying to experiment with how they're asking questions and doing analysis to try to figure out how folks are assessing the field. That's pushing, I think, pushing beyond what we saw just when we started doing the show of how media outlets were looking at some of these questions. There's another uh, survey where Gallup has been asking about various characteristics. And this study, it looks like they're asking it of, I was just trying to pull this up. It's not just of Democrats. It looks like they're asking it of uh, all Americans. Right. Um, so this is, it may be more about, well, it says if your party nominated a generally well-qualified person for president who happened to be, and they give a whole bunch of different characteristics. So it's taking out all of that. Would you vote for that person? Like, oh, that person would not be likely to be in my party. It's taking all of that out. Right. And because the, the reason why this caught my attention and I was like, wait, I got to go pull this up, is that the percentage of people who say that they would vote for a candidate who happened to be socialist in this poll is 47%, which is much higher than I think what NBC Wall Street Journal found a month ago, which was only a quarter. But the wording here where it's if it's from your party, if your party nominated a socialist. And Republicans are like, all righty. <laughs> I don't, don't show me the cross tabs. I don't okay. want to know. I don't want to know. Is Trump a socialist? Okay, I'm voting. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, I'm going to wake up and someone from Gallup is going to have like yeah. sent me the Republican cross tab and it's going to be like 40% of Republicans <laughs> vote for a socialist. I'm going to go, no. Oh, I like mean, scream it's, into the void. It's interesting, right? I mean, that's that's it kind is, of it's, it's pretty totally interesting. interesting. It's totally interesting. So, on, in this poll, ninety six percent of Americans say that if their party nominated someone who is black, they would vote for them. Ninety five percent say they would vote for someone who is Catholic. The biggest jumps have been evangelical Christian and Muslim. So, the religious characteristics on uh, of uh, two different religions have sort of spiked. Um, no characteristic dropped, but you did see age was not asked previously, um, and there's been no movement on the socialist question. Um, but yeah, it looks as though Right, people... so no, no movement is interesting given all the socialist right. stuff out there. Which I wonder, okay, now maybe I am sort of asking for the party cross tabs, like, what did the Republican and Democrat cross tabs look like in 2015? And what do they look like now? I feel like I looked, oh. I wouldn't say I looked the hardest I've ever looked for anything in my life for this. Oh, it's here if I scroll down. It's just not in our script. Uh, oh, Republicans, oh, yes. 19% say they would vote for a socialist if it was from their party. Okay. Okay. How does, how does it make you feel? <laughs> I honestly thought it was going to be closer to 40 and I was just like <laughs> grabbing the, the armchair, like reaching for the beer, like, Okay. Get me through this cross tab. We can do it. <laughs> That's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, and it's really for Republicans. Uh, Muslim is also very low for Republicans. Only 38, which is 
disappointing, uh, to say the least. Um, atheist is 42%. Uh, the other ones that are low were These are for all among Republicans. Republicans. Although right. a majority, 61% of Republicans say they would be willing to vote for a gay or lesbian Republican. Uh, 65% say they'd be willing to vote for someone under the age of 40. And 63% say they'd be willing to vote for someone over the age of 70. But we know, we know that it's higher for Republicans because Donald Trump is over 70. And we know that he's winning more than 63% of Republican voters right. at the moment. So you're saying people's desired... Their stated preference don't always align with what they end up choosing. Surprise. Is, I, is that what you're saying? Surprise. I feel like this is now on the daily. Yes. You know, when you, I don't think you listen to the daily as regularly as I do, but like the daily always kind of ends with, you know, Mikey saying, so what you're saying is, and then he just, you know, has some sentence <laughs> that like encapsulates the entire 25 minutes into one sentence. And the reporter's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, Michael. Yeah. So that you're saying that people's <laughs> stated preferences are not exactly what they end up choosing. Yes, that's right, Margie. <laughs> uh, for, on amazing. the Democratic side, most of the qualities are well, are 70% or well north of there. The only one that's lower is the bipartisan consensus around not being super into super old candidates. Democrats, 65% say they would vote for someone over the age of 70. It's comparable to Republicans at 63. Everyone's trying to figure this out. I mean, look, I folks who have either listened to this show constantly or have seen me in real life. No, I like to tell this old yarn about the old about the poll in 2008 where the everyone said, "Yes, I'd be open to a candidate who's a Mormon, uh divorced woman, African American, etc., over 70. All of them were fine. The one that had the highest I would not vote for that person was a smoker, which I think is not probably not true. Do people know that Barack Obama used to be a smoker? I, I mean, and that, I like, I, I, there wasn't a question. Certainly, they did not know that at the time, sure. and they probably do not know that now because he, you know, kept that kind of on the down low. But people were overstating their, you know, it, it's socially desirable to say you're anti-smoking, as yep. we saw with my earlier answer <laughs> to your smoking. You were very candid about how, like, the di- Margie's in the different timelines. <laughs> Like the one from before the Infinity Stone, like where the Infinity Stone got stolen out of the one timeline, and that's the one where you're still smoking because like Loki disappeared with the Tesseract. That's right. Sorry. Exactly. Okay. It's I am allowed to spoil freaking Endgame because you should have seen it at this point. We can, and that's it's also a, not really in a super essential revelation. I didn't even know. What you but were if talking I spoiled about. I Endgame like, to you, I'm like, I'm like sorry. I'm what is she sorry, talking not about? Sorry at this point. Um, <laughs> Somebody tell me what she's talking about. The okay. the, the only other poll that's. Uh, I think somewhat interesting is this is a morning consult poll on the uh, 18 to 29 year old demo for the Democratic primary. Um, So if you've been looking at the horse race overall, Joe Biden's had a pretty good week or two since his announcement has gone up. Uh, Bernie Sanders has gone down. Um, How much of that was an announcement bump, et cetera? Still not totally clear. It seems like it is persisting beyond just like the week of the announcement. But um, it looks like young people are a piece of this. Uh, So what Morning Consult is showing is that Bernie Sanders back in late February was winning almost half of Democratic primary voters under 30. um, And that has now slid to only a third. The primary beneficiary of this, I 
guess is Joe Biden, but really even that number hasn't gone up a bunch. It's only gone up by like a couple of points. I mean, it might be everybody a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like the the rest of the field coalescing together closer to the high single digits. Um, So basically, I mean, if you are Senator Sanders, the last couple of weeks have not looked great in the polls. And young people are a piece of that. It's that the, the sliding from almost half to down to a third um, in the course of two and a half months is is not ideal. Um, so an interesting data point, because you don't often get to see, I feel like data on the 18 to 29-year-old demo is very, uh, it's not terribly available all the time. Um, so anytime you get a little nugget, it's kind of interesting. Well, and also a couple, I mean, a couple things. One, you know, Sanders has had a large enough percent where you can, you know, vote share where you can kind of look at his support over time and, and see some movement. You're not looking at like, you know, one candidate going from three to six. You know, you're looking at something a little bit sizable. This is a pretty sizable drop with this group. Also, because Morning Consult has a large sample size, which we talked about last week, you have a large, you have enough sample to see how the subgroup has changed over time, which you don't always get to do. And I I would also like to walk back some of my statements from last week, (laughs) sort of expressing exasperation at the massive sample size, because what's totally possible that could be happening here is that they're fielding questions for other clients and they're just Mm, aggregating like on all of these national studies they're tacking this onto the end and then aggregating it all together like that's that would be a thing they could be doing which would totally explain how you can have so much freaking data well it's a 13 point yeah and a 13 point drop over time over the course of whatever this is three months is you know not insignificant again still going back to my headline this is still early you know we haven't had debates lots of candidates are still you know lots of voters are still unclear and you know et cetera. Et cetera. Yep. so let's talk uh very quickly we'll just ta- uh, hit the the trump question before we go to a quick break um President's job approval is currently 45% on average, which is pretty much the high since his first month or two in office. His disapproval is still majority at 51.8%. Um, so good good for him in the context of him, bad sure. still in the context of history. Um, but we will see if the trade war that is now blossoming with China, if all of a sudden if people's Goods and services become more expensive. Uh, does does their sunny view of the economy change? Um, so keep an eye on that. But forty five percent is it's definitely not only a bounce back from where things were during the government shutdown, um, but it is again the highest since his first month or two in office. Sure. That's a sign of something, I guess, positive happening for him. Also, we don't need to go to a lot of detail, but there was a uh, Washington Post or a University of Maryland Shar poll that showed uh, among, in Maryland among Republicans, Hogan was trailing Trump in the primary among Republicans in Maryland. So, you know, that's different than sort of who decides first, which is not an early voting state, but it's still people who know Hogan and like him where Hogan's doing well. That's a sign of Trump's strength. At the same time, Emerson had released today a bunch of general election matchups of Trump versus a variety of Democratic candidates. And in all of them, the Democrat leads or it's tied. Now, this is, you know, these are national numbers still. They're, you know, that's a sign of it's it's not great. That's a sign of vulnerability for the president. So the head to heads nationally seem to show vulnerability for him. The primary and how he's doing among Republicans and his approval rating. 
you know, it's a little bit more mixed to not yeah. getting worse. Well, and it may be that this is Republicans who were kind of frustrated during the shut government shutdown, like fully coming home, kind of post Mueller report. Like that could be mm. that could be it. Um, but if you're if you're the White House, I, that may be why he feels like, hey, I can go be tough with China and stuff because. Like he may feel like he has political capital to burn. I feel like anytime politicians feel like they have political capital to burn, they do dumb bad things. <clears throat> Daenerys Targaryen. Well, I don't even <laughs> political capital to burn. I mean, with his, uh, <laughs> you didn't love my no, joke. No. You didn't love my amazing joke. No, no. Oh, I was feeling very upset. All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to I got. I'm so sorry. I actually did just totally spoil the episode. Bullock, Pulser, and Friends uh, spoil warning. Game uh, of Thrones Kristen's too early. Kristen, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Pun. Why are all these Game of Thrones tweeters coming after me? <laughs> bring it on! Bring it on! Um, Okay, well, let's, uh, do you want to go ahead and we'll take a quick break? Okay, we'll take a quick break and we'll come right back. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. All right, we're back. Uh, so this past weekend, um, I spent most of the weekend in. It was very rainy. It was kind of gross. Rewatched All the President's Men. Mm. When was the last time you watched that movie? It was a while ago. Totally Is this a Gen X millennial question again? So No. <laughs> I believe this is a movie that came out when we were either not alive and or children. So, All the President's Men? Oh, yes. This is the the Watergate, uh, Woodward Bernstein. Times. Yeah, I don't so, think, yes, I guess it came I out when we were children. Highly but I've recommend seen it several times. as a rewatch yes. in the modern context and the discussions about constitutional crises and investigations into the president. And it's just, it's interesting. Um, but one thing that, oh, 1976 is when it came out. Okay. I'm getting. So I did not watch it when I was a child. Oh, but well, I that came out lot. like really close after. This was not like, oh, let's look back 15 years ago at this thing that happened in what. Yeah, I guess I, I had never really thought. I mean, obviously, obviously, because if Watergate, ha- okay. Yeah, I just didn't think that it's hard about it. ripped from the headlines. <laughs> it is ripped from the headlines. Man, they, they turn that around quick. Yeah. Uh, it's the golden age of cinema. But one of the things that is, uh, I think, fascinating is there is, well, one, there is, the, they, they keep go showing up at people's houses mm-hmm. trying to get them to talk, and no one's talking. Right. Because they know that the president is using the national security apparatus to spy on his political enemies, which you're not supposed to do. Um, so they are not interested in talking to the reporters. They show up at a woman's house whose name, I believe, is Carolyn Abbott, which uh, I, the reason this sticks with me is they show up at Carolyn Abbott's house and she's like, oh, you're Woodward and Bernstein? Oh, I'm a Republican, but I just think what's going on is just a constitutional crisis. Please come in. I'd be happy to talk to you. And they think like they're like, sweet. We got a great interview. This is going to be awesome. And so she starts talking about how she's so frustrated with what the president's doing. And then it turns out like she's actually not the Abbott who works for the committee to reelect the president. Oh God, that they, totally like they went to like the wrong condo That's and they're awesome. like, oh, sorry. So they found like the equivalent of like a ne- <laughs> hashtag never Nixon Republican. <laughs> 
and interviewed her. That's good. But what I kept thinking was that like a lot of these people, they're like, That's I'm good. not going to talk to you, reporter. I'm not going to talk to you, Mr. Reporter. But please come into my house and have a cup of coffee. I'm still not going to talk to you. I'm still not going to talk to you. Okay, maybe I'll talk to you. But I totally didn't talk to you. But okay, I'm going to talk to you. And it's like, you don't, uh, on the one hand, I'm I'm glad that people who were the whistleblowers were the whistleblowers. On the other hand, it's sort of the, like the way that I have instructed my parents, like if a reporter ever calls you, don't talk to them. Right. Call me. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. You don't have to. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, this I thought was fascinating. It's a poll about how many U.S. adults have ever spoken with or been interviewed by a journalist. Right. Um, so such an interesting question. It is totally an interesting question. I'm and, amazed it's this high. Well, and I, you, you know, if you think about it, it's not just people being of called course. up. To, but it's, you know. It's not gotcha questions about some, like, in-depth The local TV crew standing outside the Best Buy right. on Black Friday. Like, yep. what are you going to buy right. when you crush people as you <laughs> run through the door to grab the flat right, screen. Right, right, like, right. So there's, but I, w- I think it's fascinating. 21% of Americans say they have spoken with or been interviewed by a journalist. Um, there are some demographic differences. Older Americans, uh, 65 and up, they are much more likely, or I guess 25% of them say they have those under the age of 30, only 17. Well, they've been around but they longer. they haven't had as many years. Yeah, be they've been asked. around longer. Um, people who are higher up the income scale, people with college educations, more likely to have spoken with a local journalist as well. I, that part I feel is troubling. I feel, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I feel like the, the fact that white voters or white Americans and college educated folks and upscale folks are more likely to be interviewed by a reporter. I mean, there's something about that that makes me feel. You're not getting a full picture. If people are not all equally likely to talk to a reporter, then are you getting a full picture of America? And there's a lot of focus on newsroom composition, which I, whether it's ideological mm-hmm. distribution or demographic distribution, and I think those are all very good conversations to have and, and so on. But who they talk to is important. And I think that, like, that to me was striking. And you can see changes over time, you know? Um, a re, you know, well, I guess the gap has cha- narrowed. The gap a bit, has narrowed because white voters are bit. less. And you know what? I wonder if that is if that's not the mm. like kind of Trump era. Like I'm not talking. To I a don't reporter. like the media. I'm not talking to a reporter. I wonder if that's what's yeah. causing. I mean, that's not an insignificant drop of six points in just two uh, years, right? Of white respondents saying that they have. I mean, people aren't going back in time and untalking to reporters. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Or is it just unless reporting? It's, or is unless it a it's Avengers Endgame and they're going back to get the Infinity Stone and they're what? <laughs> no, is it or is it a gap in reporting? How likely you are to have talked? You know, yeah. are, so there. Who knows? There may be other things going on here, um, but it's still. I don't know. It's still. It's interesting and it's troubling. I mean, I think that that gap. I think may actually reflect a difference, in, especially you know when you add you know if the gap is truly narrowing, that's good considering the fact that local news is shrinking. So that's, I think, maybe related to all of this. Anyway, I was fascinated that this was a subject of a Pew study. So, okay, one last break, and then we'll come back for fun stuff. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups 
It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, we're coming back from break. And as a reminder, this is where the spoilers are. They are coming right now. Are you ready? Game of Thrones. So here's how I felt during Game of Thrones. I felt... I mean, I, I'm not as fully vested in it. I've watched enough of the show to have a vague idea of what's going on. But I felt at the end, like, this is the most popular show in the world that's ever happened. And we're just watching genocide. And this is what we're all sitting here tuning in for and just watching people get incinerated. That's the entertainment. And that was what was making me kind of set, like, just giving me a, a coat of dust. Any, a coat of dust, like did Aria. Did you feel feminist anger? that this seems to have been precipitated by her getting rejected by a man and then she goes crazy? I didn't I didn't think about it. Okay. Because, I mean, that just was part of it. It wasn't the whole thing, you know? Sure. And and Jon Snow seems like nothing special, honestly. I don't really get what all the fuss yeah, is I'm about. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. And He's at the end, I was, I, I mean, I was like a little bit more sad than I expected to see Jamie die. I was like, he's too hot to be killed and like stabbed to the heart. I'm like, okay, clearly I know nothing, you know? I'm just shouting out like, he's hey, he's too handsome, you know? They killed Richard Madden, our beloved bodyguard. They killed right, him a couple right. seasons true. back. That's so, true. You know. That's true. Although he's much better looking, I, I think, that in the bodyguard than, than I missed that part. Star. Anyway, my husband's like, no, he's not. He's going to go. I'm like, no. Anyway, that's that's how I felt. But beyond all that, I just felt like why does she have to burn literally everybody and that to me? And why? what does it say about all of us that we're just standing by and watching it? That's the part that was that made me Well, does it make sad. you feel better that there has been a not insignificant amount of internet backlash? Yes. Like, does that make you feel? Because this is – the creators of the show have said they're going to spend like the next week or so like off the internet drinking because they just know how much the fandom, quote unquote, is like – what are we doing here, guys? We loved the show for seven seasons, and I'm not quite sure what's going on here. Um, my very quick thoughts on the episode. Right. Are they incinerating all uh, of the fandom, basically? Yeah. Was I, I immediately sent text to a couple of friends. It was like, I did not think it was possible for them to screw this up as badly as I think they have just screwed this up. And it is not that they did not foreshadow that one day Daenerys might snap and go crazy. Right. It was that like one hour ago in TV time, she was sacrificing her troops to defend humanity. Right. And like trying awkwardly to make friends at Winterfell and like kind of realizing right. that she wasn't fitting in and like, look, she just lost all of her friends. She lost another dragon. She's had a really bad day. So if it had been like the battle begins and she's just like, I'm here to murder. I don't care. Right. Fine. But it was like, why does her victory cause her to snap? Why does like the moment that she wins, like I get it if it was like, I'm trying to do this the way my right. advisors told me to do it and it's not working. So screw them. It's murder time. Fine. But she won. Right. 
And right. then she decides to betray Just for all the- of the like breaker of chains, liberator stuff that we've. Yes, she has totally shown that. She's why does she interested- just like fly straight to the tower to go after Cersei? Or did I miss? Always like, why that shown didn't- that she's interested in burning her enemies. Right. So like, had she been like, I know Tyrion told me not to incinerate the Red Keep, but screw it, it's melting down. Fine. And even if she did want to like massacre the whole city, I think it needed. My only problem is that the bells moment just felt like, wait, that. Why is that? Why is this the thing that has tipped her so far right. away from who she is? And I didn't love the Jamie stuff. Again, it's. I think it makes sense that he ends up being like, haha, you thought this was a redemption story, but actually I just creepy love my twin sister. Bye. Right. That's fine. <laughs> but the season feels so rushed. There was a great quote yep. from Chris Ryan on the Watch podcast at The Ringer where he said, "It fe- this season feels like I'm reading a Wikipedia entry about a season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> and that was like, that's perfect. Where all these people ended up, Daenerys being a cuckoo bananas mass murderer, like, okay, you can get there. You've you've laid enough groundwork that like- right." You have one five-minute scene. It'd be very boring. It would be very boring to just say like, "Ta-da! She wins the end." Like that's not. Yeah, that like, wouldn't be very. Give satisfying. me, give me three minutes less of right. mass murder and three minutes more of like something happening in the battle that kind of goes wrong and makes her think like, "F it! I hate all these people." Right. Um. So it just, I was not happy. To the polling angle, because we only got five minutes before we let you fans go. Uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones fans sent their regards. Morning Consult did a poll asking who people thought would die in the final season of Game of Thrones. Let me read you the top seven. Cersei Lannister. Gone. Night King. Gone. Euron Greyjoy. Right. That's the jerky guy, right? He's yes. Gone. That's okay. the jerky guy. <laughs> okay. Sandor the Hound Clegane. Oh, sadly, he's gone. Theon Greyjoy. That's the jerky guy's brother. Yes, right? He's gone. Uh, Cousin, yes, and he was also a right, jerky cousin. guy, but like a couple seasons right, ago, okay, right? And now he's he's, he's gone, gone through a lot. Okay, uh, Jamie Lannister gone. Lord Varys, that's the guy who put his ring in the bowl and was like, "I'm out," right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Davos Seaworth, he's like next up on the list of he's alive. He's still hanging in there. Oh, right. Is that the smuggler? He's the smuggler. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. Uh, Melisandre had her head cut off. Right. Daenerys dragons, fifty percent dead. Right. Well, two thirds dead, depending on how we're thinking of right. the Syrian. Braun. Who's that? Um, he's the guy that showed up last episode with the crossbow and was like, "How about you make me a lord?" And they were like, "Uh, sure, Highgarden, whatever, go away." And he was like, "Cool, I'll come oh. back after the war." Okay, that's Braun. Okay. Uh, so he's still hanging in there. Uh, Jorah Mormont. Who? Oh. Uh, Daenerys's BFF uh, friend, Captain oh, Frenzo. Yes, 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 the, yes, yes, the, the, yes. He loved her, and then he died, and yes. she she had her emotional support dragon. Right, 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 right. Help right. her. Do yes. That. Okay. Um, Brienne of Tarth. Yep. Still hanging around. Tormund Giant Spain, hanging out up in the north with Ghost. He's the redheaded. They're oh yes. Tall, okay. Tall lady, tall guy. Yeah. Okay. I thought he died. Okay, all right, keep going. Uh, no, he was he. John was like, "Go be north. Take my dog with you." Sure, he's dog sitting. Okay, Beric Dondarrion. Who? Who's uh, that? He <laughs> died in the zombie battle. He has a flaming sword. Okay, he's dead. All right, John Snow. <laughs> I know who he is. I like okay. that there's an asterisk for him. <laughs> this is the best asterisk <laughs> in the history of polling charts. I don't charts. understand why this is there. John, ha- asterisk. So on this chart, it lists what house everyone is affiliated with. And Jon Snow has him listed as House Stark. As we now know, he's also technically half House Targaryen 
And it says Jon Snow pledged his allegiance to House Targaryen at the end of season seven. But it still lists him on the chart as House Stark. I assume there was some internal debate at Morning Consult about how to code him that That's led to ridiculous. this asterisk. I'm sorry. And I love you guys, and I wish I had been there for that discussion. That's ridiculous. Um, Day. Oh, that, I was getting her confused with She's the other beheaded. Person. She's gone. Okay. Uh, Gilly. I got around. her confused with Melisandre. Okay. Well, they're both they're dead They're both now. dead now. Okay. <laughs> All right. I Gilly. Got it I'm looking him up because, honestly, this is Gilly's right. still there. Who's Gen- Gilly? Uh, she's the lady who is now having a baby with the um, Sam. The, right. The, okay. The guy who's going to be the one who writes the book in the end. Yep. Okay. He, who, he's not going to die. Uh, Gendry of House Baratheon, now Lord of Storm's End. Well, sort of, depending on how long Daenerys lasts. Oh, this guy. Where I'm like, who is this guy? Like, he all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere. Boy toy. Oh, wait. That's who that is? Gendry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I like that guy. Bran Stark. Technically, he's not Bran Stark anymore. He's the Three-Eyed Raven, as he'll tell you anytime you ask. Uh, yeah. Tyrion's still here. Sansa's still here. Daenerys, probably not going to be here very long. Samuel, Tarly, Arya Stark. Everyone else is still alive, but they were the bottom of the list on the poll. So, guys, you got it right. Uh, betting markets still have Bran Stark to be the odds-on ruler of that Westeros. That doesn't make any sense to me. So here's the argument for it, and Richard's going to kick us out of the studio. I'll make this quick. Tyrion said last week, the person who would be the best ruler is someone who doesn't want it. What does Bran Stark say every time he's about to roll his eyes back into his head? I don't want anything anymore. Right, but Jon Snow doesn't want it either. Yeah, but he's also terrible at leading things. He's a decent general, but he's too, he's, no. Bran would be like letting a computer, like, run your, like, letting an AI run your government. (laughs) Which, uh, would you take that deal? President Trump or an AI? Um, I think. A benevolent Stark, House Stark AI. I think AI. Yeah, I think, obviously. So people still think (laughs) Bran Stark is going to run. I'm Team Sansa. I think Sansa is, she's it. But or she's just going to be like, screw you guys. I'm staying in the north. But um, anyhow, I have Game of Thrones thoughts. I have shared them. Okay, we'll see. next week this is all done. We can talk about it again. Sure, great. Well, that was. <laughs> I have clearly. I have a little bit more catching up to do. Yeah. No. I. I mean, it's funny to see people who are like, okay, I'm really going to try and get caught up on Game of Thrones. I'm like, it is too late. <laughs> it's too late. You can always start, Matt Moon, if you're listening. Get on it. You need to watch the show. Okay. Yes. What did we learn? All this right. Week? Disclosure, I'm a Gen Xer. I wrote that before I took the test because I knew that that would be the answer. Okay, go make some new friends, journos. And is Game of Thrones, the is G-O-T, the G-O-A-T-I-D-K? I don't know. I don't know after last uh, week. See, you're using, you're speaking in, you're speaking in these internet acronyms. Yeah. You're, you're kind of millennial. You, no. can't, you can't run from it. You can't run from it. It's okay. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at the pollsters individually at Casolta Sanderson and at Margie O'Mero. Come find me at Apor. Um, All right. I love I love meeting our uh, what, fans and listeners. And what's oh I I met several listeners this past week. I was on a conference call with somebody, and I asked, they were doing a presentation, and I asked a question afterwards, and then that person texted somebody, and they're like, "Is that Mar- Was that Margie from the pollsters who just asked me a question?" So anyway, it's cool. We like it. Doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. So come find me. Say hello. I'll only be there for like twenty four hours. So the window is short. Yes. <laughs> um, but well, we'll see you all there. Okay. Bye.